So good to see you all here this morning. Um, several years ago, I was uh, a part of a team that, uh, that was developing a food co-op for uh, low-income families in our community. And the idea behind the co-op was to transition folks from a system of dependency that oftentimes uh, had the tendency to rob them of their dignity, and they received very little food. But the co-op's idea was to move them to a system of empowerment, a, a system that would give them dignity and, and actually would provide for them what's known as food security. As co-op members every two weeks would receive 60 to 80 percent of their food needs. And so the hope then was that the resources that they did have would be able to stretch even further. And I'll never forget the, the first week that we made distributions. It was such a joyous occasion. Uh, people were dancing. There was singing. Uh, one lady who had eight kids, single mom with eight kids, she had tears in her eyes. Uh, she said for the first time that she can remember being a mom, she wasn't going to go to bed that night wondering how she was going to provide for her family the next morning. I don't know. That might be where you are in life. I've never had to go to bed wondering how I was going to feed my daughters the next day. But this was her reality. But being a part of the co-op, she was now going to receive six big boxes of food every two weeks. And just the magnitude of that was overwhelming to her. And she was just sobbing with joy. It was so, so neat to see. But probably my favorite story from that first co-op distribution week was from a guy named Adrian. Uh, Adrian was single. He had just recently moved out of a friend's basement, had, had gotten a job, and he was finally living on his own. He had battled cancer on and on through his life, some addiction as well, and, but he was really trying to get his feet back underneath him. He was working hard, holding down a job, and he was just trying to stay out of a homeless shelter. And, uh, and at the, the first co-op, Adrian saw the, the portion of his distribution. He saw two big boxes of food, and he was a little overwhelmed too. And he came up to me and he said, Sean, man, this is the most food I have ever had in my life. I don't know what I'm going to do with it all. And I remember being incredibly excited about that because that was exactly what we were hoping would be the response from our co-op members, that they would be overwhelmed by this. But I also remember looking at Adrian and thinking, okay, you're not as excited about this as I thought that you would be. In fact, Adrian was a little nervous. He seemed a little concerned. And so I was like, hey, listen, Adrian, you just take the cold stuff, you put it in your fridge and take everything else and put it in your pantry. And brother, you never have to be hungry again. But then Adrian said to something to me that I will never forget. He looked at me and he said, man, I'll be okay. God has always provided for my needs. And then he asked me a question that to this day makes me evaluate my own heart. He pointed to that single mom with eight kids and he said, is it okay if I give one of my boxes to her? He said, all those mouths to feed, I'm sure that she needs this food a whole lot more than my pantry does. Whew. I'll tell you, there is something about generosity in others that makes me want to be a more generous person. Anyone else feel that way? You hear a story, you see a story, and it doesn't matter what someone was generous with, whether it be their time or their abilities or their finances. And you know, we, we read a story, we hear a story like Adrian's, and we think, I want to be that person. Like, I want to be a more generous person. It just seems like the right thing to do, right? 
Generosity gives us all of those warm fuzzies inside. We've, we've heard the stories. We know the difference that being generous can make in the lives of others when we give them of our time or our ability or even our finances. And because of that, most of us desire to put the needs of others above our own. Most of us want to be that type of person. We want to be known as a generous person that when we see a need arise, that we are willing to do whatever it takes to step into that moment and be generous with whatever it is that we have to give to that moment, whether it be our time or um, just our, our, our presence, our energy, our abilities, whatever it might be. We want to be willing to give it. But there's an, an enemy of generosity that is lurking just beneath the surface, that as soon as that seed drops in our heart, it's quick to snatch it away. It is this ugly green monster called greed. Ooh. Every time I say that word greed, I, I think of the Lion King or Mufasa. Ooh, say it again. Mufasa, greed. Ooh. It's an ugly word, isn't it? Greed is an ugly, ugly word. I mean, here's the thing greed is sneaky. Greed hides behind our hearts, behind good intentions. Greed hides in our heart really well, and what happens is, is all of our good intentions and all of our, our desires trick us into thinking that we are generous people without ever actually practicing generosity, because greed is sneaky like that, and it hides well. In other words, you can talk about living a generous life all you want. You can desire to be generous all you want, but until you actually start living as a generous person, greed will continue to put your needs, your wants, your desires, even your fears above someone else who's in need. And the truth is, the only action that has the power to break greed in our hearts, the only thing that can break that is practicing generosity. Jesus alludes to this in our text today. He tells a story, a parable, to kind of illustrate the power of greed. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 12. If you have a, a Bible app on your device that you like to use, go ahead and pull that out. Luke chapter 12. We're going to be starting in verse 15. You can just kind of put a, put a thumb or a finger in that and, and hang on to it. We'll get to our text here momentarily. Now, when we hear the word generosity, for most of us, our mind immediately goes to what? It goes to money, right? We, we think generosity, money. And, and while it's true that generosity can be, and it absolutely should be shown through our finances, um, I, I believe that generosity is probably most beautifully demonstrated in the time or the energy that we invest in others. Uh, for some of us, that's, that's our most precious commodity, is, is our time. And so when, when we turn around and we say, I'm going to be willing to be generous with what I have, whatever it is that I have, in the life of another person, I think that's, that's a beautiful example of the gospel. I think that points to Jesus, who is incredibly generous to us. When our lives reflect the radical generosity that Jesus modeled for us, lives are changed and the kingdom of heaven comes just a little bit closer to earth in people's lives. 
I think that's why we get all of those warm fuzzies when we hear stories about generosity, because it's a beautiful glimpse of heaven on earth. There is just something that seems right about it because it is right. It is good. It is of God. Generosity is a glimpse of heaven on earth. And that's what we want to be about as followers of Jesus. That's what we want to bring to Bloomington and Bedford and Southern Indiana and across the world. We want to bring the kingdom of heaven just a little bit closer to earth in people's lives and the way that we live and the way that we act in response to the gospel. In response to a God who was incredibly generous and kind to us through Christ. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing this series called Generosity Reimagined. And we're going to be looking at how we can live more generous lives, not just with our finances. This is not a finance series. This is about generosity and no matter what it is that we have to give, be it our time, our ability, our energy. And we're going to have some really practical next steps that you can take to practice generosity and really begin to live this value out. But I think to really do that, we need to know more about this enemy that we are up against that wants to rob us of our generosity, and that is greed. Now, most people would never label themselves as a greedy person, one, just because it is an ugly term, but I think also because greed does hide so well behind other things like good intentions or, or even virtues. And because of that, it's so easy to miss in ourselves. We may be able to point the finger and spot it in other people pretty easily, but, but we miss it in ourselves because, because our intentions kind of blind us to it. And so how do we know if we struggle with greed? Let me give you just a a few indicators. Greedy people talk a lot and worry a lot about money. Greedy people are not cheerful givers. Of their time, their energy, their resources, it, it doesn't matter if they don't give any of it. And if they do, they certainly don't do it cheerfully. Greedy people are reluctant to share what they have, reluctant to share their time, reluctant to share their energy or their resources. Greedy people quibble over insignificant amounts of money. And if you just thought to yourself, well, there's no such thing as an insignificant amount of money, that might be your greed showing. I'm sorry. And and here's the thing that I've learned through the the years. Just like generosity, greed knows no socioeconomic boundaries. I have met incredibly generous poor people. I've met incredibly generous rich people. I've also met greedy poor people, and I've met greedy rich people. Because here's the point. Greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. Greed is not a financial issue. It is a heart issue. And because it's a heart issue, greed can manifest itself in all kinds of ways. We can become greedy with anything and everything that we may have to give to another person. We become greedy with our, our, our money, sure, but we can become greedy with our time when we only think about ourselves and, and, and our calendar and our schedules revolve around us. We, we can be greedy when we don't serve anywhere or give our time to anything. We don't leave or give any time for the benefit of others. We can become greedy with our abilities and only use them for our own purposes and gain or pleasure. 
And so greed isn't about our pocketbook or our checking account. Greed is about what is inside of your heart, and it can influence anything and everything that you have to give, not just your money. It's an emotional habit that we kind of get stuck into, a rut that our lives get trapped in, that has the power to to break even our relationships. Because you only think about yourself. The person whose heart is filled with greed has very little room to love anyone other than themselves. And if a person is always looking out for themselves and thinking of their own best interest within a relationship, then I'm telling you, that relationship is always going to suffer. If you've ever been in a relationship of any kind, someone who is greedy, you know the truth of that statement. But the good news for us today is that we don't have to live like this. Jesus points us to a better way. He shows us how we can break greed in our hearts and live a life of joyful generosity. Let's look at our text together. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 15. Now, just a little bit of background to this text. Uh, There's two brothers that come up to Jesus. They're arguing about how they should split the inheritance Fortunately, that never happens in our world today. And so I understand this is like just one more proof of why the Bible is irrelevant in our world today. Uh, But just bear with me. Maybe we'll be able to learn something about it. So this is what this how the story unfolds. He tells these brothers, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Jesus, right off the bat, says, watch out. Some translations say, beware. There's like exclamation points behind all of this. Why? Because greed is subtle and it takes on many different forms. I think that's why Jesus says, be on your guard against what? All kinds of greed. I think what Jesus knows is that if a person is greedy with their money, then chances are high that they're going to be greedy with anything else that they have to give to someone else, whether it be their time or their abilities, because again, greed is a heart issue, not a finance issue. And just to prove how dangerous it it is, Jesus goes on in verse 16, he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now, that word store is farmer language for save. His immediate thought when he had an abundance was not, whoa, Lord, look at how you have blessed me. What do you want me to do with this to turn around and bless someone else? What do you want me to do with the extra that you have given me? Instead, his first thought was, lucky me, what can I do to benefit from this? That's how greedy people tend to think. Whether it be with their time or their resources or whatever it is, their very first thought is, how can I use what I have for me? And in fact, as we read through this parable, 11 times the personal pronoun is used because this person is only thinking about himself, which is what a greedy person does when they come into extra. But if I'm honest, I probably do that a whole lot more than I care to admit. I get a little unexpected extra... And my first thought is, hey, I can finally go out and get this cool little gadget that I've been having my eye on for a little while. And I don't think about the others in my life who may need it more than me. Now, like the farmer in this story, I can always come up with a plan for the extra. Here here was his plan, verse 18. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will 
tear down my barns and build bigger ones. He comes down with a case of bigger barn syndrome. <laughs> he looks at his barns that, that, again, Jesus started this story by saying this is a rich man. Okay, Jesus is not, is not saying anything about being rich. He's not criticizing that. But what this guy is, is doing is he's, he's looking at everything that he has, the stuff that is perfectly provided for his family and his needs, and he's saying, oh, I want more. Let's tear those down so that I can have more. And he goes on, and he says, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. And what he's saying is, this is foolish thinking. He goes on, he says, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? In other words, what Jesus is saying is, you've worked so hard, you've compiled so much, you've held all of it close to the chest and have not given a bit of it to anyone. But now, because of life circumstances or death circumstances, it's going to be taken from you anyway. Who's going to get it now? And then he closes in verse 21. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This is Jesus' definition of greed. Someone who stores up, someone who hangs on to things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And being rich towards God is Jesus' way of saying being generous with what we have to those who need it. And so the lingering question of the parable is how, how do I become rich towards God? Like the, the original audience would have heard this and their thought would have been, okay, I don't want to be that. <laughs> how can I be this? How can I be someone who is rich towards God? And the simple answer is this, you practice generosity. You practice generosity. Being rich towards God means that you gratefully, gratefully acknowledge that everything we have, from our time to our talent to our treasure, everything we have is a gift from God. Acknowledging that and then making every effort to use what he has given us for the good of others and for the glory of God. You become rich towards God. You, you, you find greater joy and satisfaction in life. Listen, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, yeah, this is just confirms, this is all that the church ever talks about is money. It's not, I promise. It really isn't. But what we want in our lives, in our church, and what we want in your life as well is joy and satisfaction that oftentimes the world doesn't provide for us. And maybe you, you know that full well. And so here's my challenge to you. If you're not a follower of Jesus in here today, my challenge to you is to put this to the test. To live a life of generosity and find the joy that is in that. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we find that joy in response to what Jesus has done for us. We find that satisfaction and that fulfillment in life when we practice generosity. Not when we have the good intentions to maybe one day if we have enough left over practice generosity but when we live it out now. And here's the thing, just like you can't get in shape until you start working out, <laughs> I'm telling you, you will never be generous until you start practicing generosity. In other words, don't wait until you feel like giving to start 
giving. Start giving of your time and of yourself and then watch God completely step in and change your heart and change your life. And my guess is that not only will he change your heart, but through your generosity, lives will be impacted. I love the update that Brad shared with us this morning about the refugees that we have been able as a church to come alongside and help. You better believe that through your generosity, lives were changed. Generations were impacted by that type of generosity. But we can also change the lives of people with our generosity, even here close to home. Let's check out this story. Safe Families for Children is a faith-based organization that came to Bloomington not too long ago. And the mission of the organization is to provide assistance respite, help in whatever format that might need to be for families in crisis. So people that don't have a local support system, a family or friends that can help them when a crisis hits. And that's how Lucas and I met Gianna and Kelly. I live here in Bloomington with my daughter Gianna who's five. We came here with absolutely no friends or family. I was in an abusive relationship and in August I was assaulted and put in the hospital. I knew I would not be able to take care of Gianna mentally, emotionally, physically, so I reached out to Safe Families, and that's whenever they connected me with Julia. I got a call asking if we would be willing to take a five-year-old little girl in to stay at our house for a couple of weeks. And I said, absolutely, we've got the room ready for her, let's go. It gave me an opportunity to bring kids into our home for my only child, Lucas, to enjoy playing with. He wants siblings. I can't necessarily adopt kids at this point, but I can have kids in our home that he can consider very good friends, if not brothers and sisters. And so he's benefited from the experience and I've gotten a new friend. Safe Families gave me a home where I knew my daughter would be safe so I could take care of myself without me being healthy. I knew I couldn't take care of my child, Gianna. When she left the home she was in, she left everything. And so um, we're able to help her in so many different ways get started again. Living in a shelter is hard, but during this time I found a job. I've been saving to get a place. I've had dinner with Julia being invited knowing I had nowhere else to go or no one else to talk to. She's opened her phone up when I was at rock bottom. A lot of times I just listened. I didn't need to provide answers or I didn't need to fix anything. I just needed to let her know that she had somebody she could talk to. You never know what one's going through. Not everyone is out to get money. Some people just need a safe place for their child or for themselves or a hug or an ear for someone to listen when you need to talk. There are so many blessings that come from being generous, being available, and you just have to be ready when those opportunities come your way. Today I feel loved again, and I feel like I have a true family, and it doesn't take blood to have a family. It just takes someone's heart. What a, what a beautiful story of generosity from right here within our own congregation. Julia is saying, I don't have a lot to give, but what I have, I want to be generous with it to make a difference in someone else's life. And Kelly's life has been changed. And so this week, what can you do to practice generosity and make a difference in someone's life? Maybe for you, you just need to take a friend out for lunch, or maybe you need to invite your one life to coffee at the poorhouse, and the thing that you give them this week is your undivided time and attention. Maybe there's a place in the community or, or in the church that you know needs more volunteers, it needs more involvement, and, and, and you know this, but you've been putting it off, you've been putting it off. 
Make this the week that you take that step to get plugged in and to give. Maybe there's a cause that you need to write a check to because the Lord has blessed you in this way to be a blessing to others financially. And, and, and you need to write a check to this cause because as my buddy Adrian taught me, um, they needed a whole lot more than our pantry does. If you're not sure what to do next, but maybe you have the desire to do something, uh, we have created a resource for this series called the Generosity Challenge Board. And, and I love this idea. Uh, we had a, a creative team that kind of came up with this for this sermon series. And uh, it's, been, it's been so much fun just to see. We have three of these boards placed throughout our church. Maybe you saw them as, as you came in. There's one here in the lobby, one down by the fellowship hall, and then one at the kids ministry entrance. And, and on each one of these boards are cards uh, that on the other side of those cards, cards is an idea, a challenge of how you can practice generosity this week. There's, there's 90 different challenges all in there, and it just kind of is a way to make us take that next step of generosity. And these are easy next steps to take. Okay, you're not going to pull a card that says, give $1,000 to a local charity. That's not, that's not going to be your card. Um, but, but some of these cards will challenge you to practice generosity in a way that maybe feels a little uncomfortable, a little, a little new. And so our challenge is for you to go out to one of these boards, take those cards, and then complete um, that challenge as a way of living generosity out in your life. Here are just a couple of examples of what you might find on your card. Uh, number one is you could take a meal to a shut-in and just sit there and have a meal with them. I think about how beautiful uh, that, that experience might be for them and for you. You can clean up a street near where you live. Maybe you have that street that every time you drive down it, you look at it and you see trash on it and you think, ah, somebody ought to clean this up. Well, you have the opportunity to be that somebody. <laughs> you can generously step out of your card, maybe even grab your life group and say, let's go and tackle this together. And you can practice generosity by beautifying that street. Maybe you can buy a gift card for the person in line behind you at the grocery store. <laughs> Um, I'm curious to hear some stories that come from this one, because I'm just kind of playing this out in my mind. Like, you're sitting there, you're at your car, you're like, okay, is this the person? They don't look like they would judge me too much if I say this. Hey, our church is doing a generosity series, and uh, you know, I'll buy a $10 gift card here of anything that you would like. Another example is you can watch a friend's kid and give them a date night. Um, if someone gets that card and you're looking for someone, my name is Sean Green. <laughs> We have two lovely little girls uh, that you will thoroughly enjoy, and we would be more than willing to be the beneficiary of your generosity. <laughs> That's it. Just simple steps of saying, I'm going, to take, I'm going to take this desire in my heart, and it's going to be more than just a good intention. I'm going to do something about it. And then what we're doing is we're inviting you to uh, fill out on the blank space of that card just a little, a, a brief description of your experience, whatever it was. Just share a little, little story of your experience. We want to compile some of these stories of generosity and, and share them at the end of this series. And so complete your challenge, write the story on the back of the card, bring the card back with you after it's done, and take it back there. There's a box um, at those challenge boards, and you can drop it there in the box. Now, as we close, here is the, the coolest part of all of this, the thing that to me just really kind of packs the punch when you practice generosity, you are actually living more like Jesus, who was incredibly generous and gracious to us. I heard someone say one time that you are never more like Jesus than when you serve, and I believe that. Jesus was incredibly generous. Jesus put our needs above 
his own. He left the riches and the glory of heaven to live amongst us, to die the sinner's death that we deserved and to then give us the life that is his. Church, when we practice generosity, we show people the gospel and the hope that is found in Jesus in a way that they may have never seen it before. And so my question to you as we close out today is, is not necessarily how are you going to practice generosity this week? I think that the better question is this. How are you going to show someone Jesus this week through your generosity? How are you going to bring the kingdom of heaven just a little bit closer to earth in someone's life as you practice generosity? Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know that you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.